0: Hello, this is Ashik. Welcome to our community podcast where we talk about topics ranging from healthcare to finance all the way up to lifestyle uh, relevant to the cancer community today. Uh, With me today is Zishan. Hello. And uh, who's also a dear friend of mine and... He's also, a, he's currently a medical student at the University of Sydney and is on his way to be a doctor in about a year. So, hmm. so tell me about your experience so far. Uh, I imagine being a med student isn't really closed off from doing some of the real stuff. Um, well, I guess,
1: I mean, it's just the first two years of med school are probably a bit more theory
0: based. Yeah. But
1: I think just the past year has been pretty hands on and we did get to see a lot of things. Um I got, I got to have a lot more practical exposure, I'd say. Right. Yeah.
0: And you mentioned, like, um, I mean, the reason you're here today, and I was interested in having this chat uh, chatting with you, was uh, you mentioned spending some time at a palliative care center.
1: Yes. Um, so right before I started med school, I was kind of wondering, because, you see, medicine is a very long journey, you know, to, on the way to become a doctor or to become a surgeon. Yeah. There's many years involved. So it's quite a big investment, you know, mentally and, like, you know, financially I guess so I kind of wanted to know whether medicine is for me right so I was kind of doing a bit of like a soul-searching one could say so I went to Bangladesh and I've got a few uncles and you know who are doctors and aunties um, so they hooked me up with this um, palliative center in Bangladesh which has just recently opened and for people who don't know what a palliative center is it's for people with cancer who kind of have failed either the therapeutic side of things or so the treatment side of things or they just choose not to have treatment at all, and they just want to go on symptom-based management.
0: Okay. And I mean, uh, what, what does symptom-based management mean? So basically,
1: day-to-day things which cancer patients would, um, you know, based on what kind of cancer they have, so it could be, like, you know, just, like, excessive cough or pains anywhere, you know, management of their pain. Could be any other symptom-related, you know, headaches, you know, just things like that.
0: Right, and, so it's instead of, like, Directly targeting the cancer, you're more yes. trying to manage symptoms on it. Exactly, Sorry. pretty much.
1: That That's sense. what palliative care is mostly about, at least on a medical surface. Sure. Um, but there's obviously much many more aspects. In a developed country, you'd have a much more holistic approach to palliative care per se. But um, that was kind of lacking from what I remember in Bangladesh.
0: Okay. So, I mean, what what were your couple of uh, you know ma- major takeaways from palliative care center? And like you told me about, you know, that you met. You know, cancer patients there. Yeah. Um, you know, so I want to hear a little bit about
1: that before. So, um, so there is this one um, person who I remember quite vividly. Um, her name is Fatima. And um, so I was doing the ward rounds, like, you know, with the doctors. And in the morning when you can go through every patient by patient, see how they're doing. Hmm. And I don't know, she just stood out to me or um, she had, she was on a small little tiny little bed. And she was looking relatively fit enough well to talk. So I just sat down and, you know, introduced myself and she told me she was a woman around uh, like in her mid thirties and she told me that she had stomach cancer and stomach adenocarcinoma. Um, And, you know, at the time I did not know how rare that was or what it was, what was it even about, to be honest. But what was evident to me was she was um, in this very crowded room with like around eight or ten other patients and they didn't have any privacy. There were no any curtains or anything like that. Her bed was actually overlooking um, a bathroom. And when you and sometimes with patients with cancer, because of all the chemo and the meds they've been taking, that kind of really upsets their bowels and, mm. you know, so... I I really felt bad for this woman having to you know being in a palliative center and having to have a direct view of that right it's just not the idea. But you said like the thing about the curtains. I mean, is that common in palliative care centers? Yeah, or? I mean, it's just common everywhere. It should be. I think um, a patient is entitled to their own privacy. Right. So if you are in a ward, um, you should have a certain kind of a curtain if you want to cover yourself up or for privacy purposes, or you know, you just don't want to see the rest of the world. It's totally up to you. Right. Not to mention, it was a closed off room with very limited natural lighting. Mm. and these are tiny little things I know I'm picking on really tiny little things here but these I think make a big deal
0: Uh, alright sorry that was my phone alarm you can keep going
1: okay Uh, sorry for that interruption um yeah so it was just like these tiny little things that I think make a big impact on the psychological aspects of the well-being of a cancer patient but you know that's my understanding at least
0: okay so now let's get a little more specific into like the, the whole experience that you had with Fatima uh she had endocarcinoma? Is that uh,
1: it's an adenocarcinoma. Ad- adeno? Adeno. Adeno-, adenocarcinoma. adeno just means like glandular, pretty much, gland okay. based stuff. Um, well, what that was is probably got a more got to do in Bangladesh, got to do with the diet and probably the lack of um, primary care, like going to their GPs and getting the medication early on. She could have had something because bacteria induced. Which just went haywire, and Mm -hmm. hence she was... Because adenocarcinoma, stomach adenocarcinoma is relatively rare. Right. And um, it was quite surprising. So I'll tell a bit more about uh, Fatima now that you bring it up. Um, So she was, I said, a 35-year-old woman or something, and she was an ex-nurse, so she was kind of well-versed with how the health system works. Um, She did tell me it was quite difficult for her to actually even get a spot at the palliative center. Right. Apparently a little bit of bribing went into the... Thing that's what she told me. I don't know how true that was, but that was, I mean, how
0: many? is it very expensive in Bangladesh?
1: It is the first in Bangladesh, and um, you know. So, and if you if cancer, if the treatment side is not applicable to you, that's pretty much all you have. Mm. And from what I remember, she was an ex nurse, and once the cancer, once she was given the diagnosis, she kind of ignored it for a year or two, after until it really crippled her. And, um, you know, she didn't have the energy, she was nauseated all the time, and she just couldn't go back to work again. So financially, she was quite, it was quite difficult for her as well. Right. And she was not from a particularly well-off family either. So what that meant was her family had to kind of, um, you know, pay for her bills and look after her. And in Bangladesh, have, you know, they're large families with a lot of kids. So, yeah, so it was quite a difficult situation for her, and even to get a spot in a palliative center, which... Mm. What one would consider it to be like a right of someone in a developed country that was yeah she had to fight for it
0: right, so I mean, did you gauge you know what were the specific reasons she was at the palliative care center like uh, besides, I mean, it was it because she didn't like was it out of choice or yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: sure, that's a good question um so from what I remember is that basically the doctors had told her that it was not curative per se, her cancer had progressed to a stage where it was not no longer deemed to be curative and also couple, and even if it was, if they could do something it would require her to grow abroad and like I said her financial situation wasn't that great right. and um, if I remember her saying, I remember saying that her the reason why she was in the palliative center was because her family who had been funding her since kind of told her in, I guess in a nice way, I don't know that they could no longer help her mm. and you know that she was better off looking after herself and so she took all the savings she had and pretty much, you know, like, put it into this whole trying to get into the palliative thing. Mm. There were some kind soul, kind souls around, like, in you know, a wealthy businessman who helped her, you know, charitable kind sure. of things.
0: But it was mostly, on. she was mostly by herself. That's But that's so bizarre, like, um, the fact that you said financial stress, was it? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the fact that financial stress could be, like... Such a something that could be so heavy that it could that it could actually make somebody render somebody less empathetic towards somebody. You know,
1: I guess yes, and that is their, it is
0: quite interesting
1: right. because you know we can we might. You know, we're free to speculate that you know, right. living in a relatively well-off position ourselves. Yeah. But I think in Bangladesh, it's kind of like survival of the fittest. I guess they have that kind of a mindset. That really surprised me, even when I kind of heard of it for the first time. But I just, you know, the more I spoke to the other patients around, there seemed to be something. There was a, you know, when you're diagnosed with cancer, and in Bangladesh, it kind of sounds like you know, the end of story. Mm. They're really not contributing to society. You know, they're just a burden. Mm. You know, these were the common themes, which I saw playing around at that center.
0: Brian, And, like, you, you said you'd, you'd have conversations with her every other day.
1: Yeah, so every day I would turn up. I was there for about, like, two weeks, and every day I would turn up to talk to her at least once, and the rest of the time I'd just talk and to the like, other patients. And,
0: like, what was her perspective on the, the whole thing? I mean, You it, told me, like, you're telling me specific facts about her, right? Yes. So, I mean, what was her um, perspective on the entire... So, the very first thing, um, you know,
1: she kept on saying that she wanted to know why this was happening to her. That was her very big question. She, she almost broke down once saying that. And, you know, she even mentioned that she was trying to justify. And I think I've seen that even many other times with many of the other patients I've seen with cancer. When they first get the diagnosis or even a few months or years into the diagnosis, they often wonder why it was them,
0: yeah. you
1: know, because you just don't think it'll happen to you, you know, you think of, oh, okay, it happens to this person, or in someone in the movies, but it just won't happen to you mm. and she was trying to find out reasons and, you know, um, and she was from a Muslim background, and um, she was trying to say that, I haven't even, you know been with another man, you know she, was, she wasn't she was married um, I haven't been with another man, when so many of my other colleagues were, and I was trying, you know, I was being holy and righteous and she's yeah. still just questioning she was trying to find holes in trying to justify her luck or her fate
0: right and it's a common thing I see amongst them but I mean but back then you were like you weren't you still haven't committed to like a medical degree at the time no I didn't and and, you know, like, how is a doctor or a regular person supposed to, like... Yeah,
1: and to be honest, even you know. to this very day, I struggle with that. I mean, there's really not much of a thing you can tell someone that, um, you know, when they're trying to answer that question. I think it's something that, they, that someone needs to find. You know, you need to find that answer yourself that you have to understand. Because it will sound very, like, you know, cold if I say that, look, it's just a matter of chance. Yeah. You know, you know, to someone, like, you know, yeah, someone in a lab, that might sound rational, mm. but on a human level... That just sounds ridiculous doesn't make sense, you know, because that's not how we form Im- connections with other people, yeah you, know, you, you can 't just say that you're just that 's just bad luck, yeah you know, because i don 't know if you remember there was a few days back you know like a like a year back now, there was a whole talk about you know cancer just being you a know, product of bad luck, which to some extent it is
0: i mean in some cultures it is deemed taboo that you know that if there is an illness that you shouldn't talk about it or you know, I think there's like a mixture of things. Like The fact that, I mean, one aspect is that, yes, you know, because you're ill, a lot of people don't want to burden somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons patients themselves don't speak about it. Yep. But in some other cultures or some, you know, depending on where you're from, like, sometimes even having basic illnesses is deemed as, okay, you know...
1: Yeah, maybe that's very true. Maybe
0: something, like a curse or yeah, some random thing has befallen the family. And to be,
1: and to be yeah. honest, that's that's very true. And I remember at the time, because, you know... It was the very first time someone was actually telling me about their cancer diagnosis. My right. very first interaction with someone who's, you know... By all means, at the time, like, probably on her... You know, like, she's spending her last few days. And... Um, I remember one day she was telling me all this and she started crying and I remember at the time feeling very awkward and I did because I did not know what to say. Yeah. I just did not know, you know, because even as a doctor because doctors naturally tend to have this tendency to want to fix things, okay? Mm-hmm. Because we like fixing things, right? But when you can't console someone and answer their questions and find reasons, you just feel very helpless. And I remember when she started crying I kind of tried to change the topic, you know, do you want to talk about something else? I said, do you want to talk about something else? We don't necessarily have to talk about this, and she agreed. I later, I later spoke to the director of the palliative center, who was actually a very well-learned kind of a guy, and, you know, he told me, like, why did you do that? And I was like, I don't know, like, you know, like, I just thought that, you know, it would be comforting for her. I was putting it on her, but the truth of the man, and what he made me realize, the director, was that it was actually me not being comfortable with death. The concept of death was so alien and foreign to me that my, I was my psyche was trying to reject it, and I did not want to hear any part of it. And I think that, to some extent, that is kind of the mentality shared by a lot of people who have not suffered from cancer. That we don't want to talk about it, we don't want to think about it, and you know, we talk about you know like let's do this, let's fight this, and all of that, just the positive vibes. Mm. But we really don't empathize with them, and I think that's that's an interesting thing which I kind of yeah. you know, got from that experience. Yeah.
0: Right. And, I mean, uh, of course, you know, especially, you know, Bangladesh is known to be slightly more to have a fair share of, like, people of different religions, um, mm-hmm. and even though they're in the same ethnicity. And, you know, people tend to take a lot of different views on different things. So I guess, you know, especially trying to be neutral at the same time and, mm. you know, not imposing your own uh, opinions Definitely. upon what you think death means or... Whatever exactly. it is, uh, it, it's a very fine line. It's a very, very fine line.
1: Yeah, because you know, on one side, you want to say that you know, and especially with uh, patients who, are co- who have kind of lost hope in everything, and they're literally asking coming to you because they trust you and asking you, "Look, this person has told me this can work. Will I, should I take it?"
0: Yeah, it's
1: a difficult question. It's a very common question posed by patients to doctors, and and I think the the understanding, the current understanding is that if it doesn't harm their health. Hmm they should, by all means, go for it. Right. Whatever comforts them, whatever makes them feel good and gives them some hope. And it's all about the mindset at that point. you know what I mean? And I think without having cancer, the diagnosis of a cancer, it's really hard to put yourself in those shoes. You know, like, because we just have it. You know, we don't think about, you know, our life being a finite quantity, you know. Not at this age, definitely not. But, you know, when, when someone puts, like, a, a date or a number... Mm. it becomes quite hard to go past that. Makes I think, sense. Yeah. So furthermore on that, so what I remember, so I actually happened to, um, so I remember what she did was um, she gave me a little bit of, right before I left, she gave me a little bit of a piece of paper and it had her name on it, her diagnosis, her address. The reason she gave me her address was she was asking me for some kind of help, you know, financially to, you know, for treatment and all of that. At the time, I spoke to the director about it and you know, I wondered whether you know, I could do something, and contribute. And he's like, look, we're taking the best care we could in this, you know, in this situation and you know, if you want, you can go for it. But I never did. I never ended up sending anything. I was, I was, I was not even a student then. So, um, but something just nags in my mind about that. And I, to this day, I kind of carried that piece of paper with me to kind of remind myself of what I owe to the community, what I should do do you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to explain it's some kind of I feel like I owe something and I don't know I should have helped and I didn't at the time and you know I just carry that thing around with me wherever I go and you know it's always in my wallet
0: but I mean yeah but now that you've you know had that experience and uh, now that you're in Australia and you're doing your whole medical degree and stuff like that I mean how has your perspective changed so far like
1: I, I see that there are different sides. I mean, with Bangladesh and the palliative care, it's great that they're trying to even do something like that. Yeah. It's new and I think it's much needed. Um, in Australia though, it's very different. Palliative care is very well recognized. There's a lot of trials say that, you know, the patient's well being being improved by just being in a palliative care unit because, you know, once you have the, and once your cancer kind of deteriorates, you know, to manage it at home becomes very difficult. So Palliative care has definitely got its role In cancer management um, You know, either be it pain management Nausea or any other Like, you know, like bowel symptoms Anything, it definitely has a role Because it takes a huge toll on the family And on the person, obviously yeah. And, you know, and in, in Australia They're also trying to incorporate Mental health is a big issue They try to incorporate um, mental well-being Into um, the cancer care um, it's in the palliative care units I see that you know they have the psychiatrists talk to them if they could have counselors come and talk to them right they talk about um, you know they have occupational therapists if they want to go back to their place they have people come in and talk to them about you know um, whether they want to meet their families and try to organize meetings outings with other patients things like that and I think these tiny little things make a big difference in your outlook and your mental well-being I think
0: right yeah I guess that's that's fairly helpful. I mean, uh I I was after our conversation before about palliative care centers, uh I did look some up in Dubai. Mm-hmm. I understand that it's not ne- like the it's more aimed towards uh pa- not necessarily cancer patients, mm-hmm. but th- there's definitely an existence in in this region uh spe- specifically in Dubai um for anyone who's uh, interested in re- doing that kind of research. Um mm-hmm. Now, I also understand that you have another friend who also has had a interesting experience at a palliative care center in Australia. Yes, and I think she'd be able to give you a much more
1: of a greater insight into yeah. how the system is over there. Yeah. Um, so she has just recently finished um, her um, palliative care rotation, which was for four weeks, at Concord Hospital in Sydney and you know I think she could she she has quite a lot of things she would be able to talk about things which she has seen like you know she can probably I don't know if she will talk about euthanasia and its role because it's actually legal yeah. euthanasia is still illegal um, you can obviously have a long debate about that and that's a whole different issue but um, yeah she's definitely seen a different side to palliative care than what I've seen
0: yeah I mean that's something I, I'm definitely interested in talking about with her maybe perhaps in a future episode I can uh I can have a conversation with her, perhaps uh, something that it was that was interesting to me from the brief uh, understanding, and you know what you relayed on to me from her experience was some of the concepts about like how you know a lot of the cancer patients how they perceive uh, you know being given titles
1: yes
0: uh, so a very important yes. topic this is something that we were also struggling with when we were building heroes just the whole concept of like
1: the heroes and the, the, the you know is yeah. heroes
0: of cancer yeah. uh, necessarily the best name to give to your platform how do people perceive being called a fighter uh a yeah. cancer fighter and yeah, so on definitely so definitely. that's a very interesting conversation hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be able to have in a future episode anyway thank you for um taking your time out and having this conversation with me. Uh, Hopefully we'll be kicking off some more interviews with people who are also, you know, not only doctors, but patients, psychologists, anybody that we can bring on board who could give us some great input. Yeah, that would be really
1: good. I'm looking forward to hearing some more.
0: Yeah all right. Thank you. Thank you.